All right, well, we are in uh, this series dealing with holiness. Last week we talked about consecration of the body. Uh, We talked about how when Scripture talks about consecrating yourself in Romans chapter 12, uh, he first talks about the body, then he talks about the mind. And we're going to look at that uh, today, the mind. But last week we talked about how consecration of the body isn't just about... um, sexual sin. It's about your body being in places that it shouldn't necessarily be. Um, Whether that be, what did we say last week, you know, the club or whether that just be in the present company of the wrong people. You know, it can can be anything. You are to consecrate, which means to set apart for God, your body. Because as as, as, as much as we live in our own bodies, it's not yours. Right? It's not. It, it, it is God's, and it is for God to do with what he will. Now, today we're going to talk about the mind. And, and the body, you know, you can kind of control the body, uh, but when it comes to things like the tongue, and James talks about the tongue, and, and we looked at how our feet and, and our hands and our eyes and all of these things are to be consecrated to God, that seems like an easy task compared to the mind, doesn't it? Everybody with me? I'm going to need some feedback today. It's a small crowd, and small crowds scare me to death. I'll tell you, if I'm talking to three people, I mean, I, it's, it's awful. If I'm talking to a thousand, no problem, okay? We, so y'all, y'all, we're going to have to smile, we're going to have to shake our heads, okay? All right, so, uh, so here's the deal. <clears throat> you know, I think about verses like where Jesus talks about, he says, you know, you may... You may not commit adultery, but you lust. Or you may not actually murder somebody, but you hate the person. And that is the same thing. You know, those are the verses that give me the heebie-jeebies. Those are the verses that I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm a murderer. You know, oh my goodness, I'm a liar. Oh my goodness, I'm, you know, all these things. And and those are the things that give me the heebie-jeebies because I know that they are the hardest to control for me. Anybody else with me? I mean, anybody bold enough to say, yeah, that's hard enough for me, harder for me? Yeah, all right, sweet. Most of the time, I'm the only one. Um, so, so here's the deal. Let me shut this door because, um, you know, I don't want the other church to get mad at us. Um, so, so here's the deal. Today, we're going to talk about consecration of the mind. And this is hard. Um, but here's what we need to understand. You have to know this. You have to... To, to understand this, you have to say, this, this is something that I've got to do. But you need to understand that what we think matters. What we think matters. Because here's what most of us kind of, if, if we're honest with ourselves, in, in many areas of our life, do we not think one thing, but then go, well, I know I can't say that out loud. And we just kind of smile, and we're like, hey. That kind of thing, right? I mean, we hold our, our tongue, basically. Because what we're thinking and what we say, a lot of times, are totally different, right? It's that way for me. But what we think matters. It matters a lot. Because what you think is actually who you are. We may not see who you are in some instances, but eventually it will come out. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, you're going to mess up and say something. Eventually, you're going to 
you're going to think something and think you actually thought it, but you actually said it, and then you're like, oh, did I actually say that? You know, yeah, y'all ever been in those situations? You know, you're like, oh, did I say that out loud? I'm going to go crawl under a rock. It matters what we think, because here's the thing. What we think dictates who we are. That's going to be your main point for today, okay? You can write that down. It's not, it's not in, your, in your message point, but you can write it down in the notes. What we think dictates who we are. Not, what, not necessarily what we do, because that's part of it, because what we think will dictate what we do will dictate who we are. But if you come right down to it, what you think dictates who you are. Maybe not to me, but to you and to God. It dictates who you are. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter, back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is what we look, We looked at one last week, and I'll go ahead and read that while you're turning. If you're uh, if you're looking for Romans, uh, I don't know where it's at in your Bible, but in my Bible, it's on 12:35. So if you want to turn there and try to find it from there, good luck. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. And last week we talked about what is God's mercy. God's mercy isn't just. Oh, his mercy, he's so merciful to us. It is Jesus dying on the cross. That's his mercy that he had upon us. God's, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, here's, here's what we're talking about today. This is, this is the nitty-gritty for us today. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Piece of cake. Got it down. I'll just renew my mind. You know, is there, like, there's, you know, there's a power button. Just reboot. We're good to go, right? We'll talk about that. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, what do we see here in verse 2? One, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, okay? So in bodily function, which is what we talked about last week, we don't need to conform to what the world has for us. But when it comes to our mind and our thinking, we don't need to be thinking as the world thinks either. We need to be thinking the way God thinks. Now, anybody, anybody bold enough to go, uh, Jason, uh, how's God think? You know, I mean, how does that work out? You know, how's that, how's that work? I, I can tell you, and we'll get to that in a minute, but to be perfectly honest, we all are going to be in process with this. So point number one, we are transformed by allowing God to renew our mind. Notice, notice what he says here. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is not something you can do. Be transformed. He doesn't say, but be transformed by renewing your mind. The word the is in there, and it is a specific article, and it has a purpose. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't do it. You can't do it. Anybody ever tried? You're like, ah, i got to stop thinking that way. You know? It's impossible because... The very next thought you have, it's like you almost trick yourself. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't think about that anymore. Oh, I'm thinking about it again. You know, it's like, oh, what the, oh, oh. 
and it's so frustrating. But God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He is the one that renews your mind. So point number one, or A, 1A, we are transformed by allowing God to renew our mind. We are transformed by allowing God to renew our mind. I started thinking about this, and, you know, I, I think about my daily schedule a lot, and, and I've been thinking about it more recently in the last few months. And what is it that is in my daily schedule that it's not nece- that it's necessarily angering to God, but it's just not focused on God. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I started kind of weeding out things in my daily schedule. You know, y'all, y'all know my struggle with TV and that addiction I'm constantly kicking. And, uh, but there's other things too, just, just downtime, what we call downtime. You know, it's just not focused on God. And so I started replacing my downtime with spending time in Scripture and whatnot. And then I started thinking, as I was preparing for this message, I was like, what, what do you think Paul's schedule was like? Y'all know Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, and, and you know, the big dog of, of Scripture, basically, aside from Jesus, of course. Uh, you know, it, it, Paul, okay, so what is Paul's schedule like? And this is what I kind of came up with, knowing what a typical Jewish schedule was back in Jesus' day. So, here, here's the deal. Before sunrise, Paul's going to get up, and he's going to get ready for the day. Anybody here get up before sunrise? Lewis, I know, does. Lewis is up at like 2. All right, we got a few others. All right. So we're there. A few of us know that. Before sunrise, he gets up, he gets ready for the day, and he spends time in prayer. Then sunrise to uh, 9 a.m., so probably about 6, just 6. I'm having trouble with my today. 6-ish to 9 a.m., he had a job, and that was to work. Uh, at buying skins and tanning skins, basically taking leather and making it, or skin and making it leather, right? And then he would sell them. So he's selling skins. He would sell them to people who um, uh, need it for, for clothing or for, I don't know, belts. I don't know. what You know, tents. He was, a, he was called a tent maker, but um, uh, they, would, they would make tents out of skins and that kind of thing. He probably had his first meal sometime around here. They only had two meals, if, if that, uh, during, during uh, a normal Jewish day. Um, so he probably had his first meal. He probably spent some time in prayer. So three hours to work, okay? And then uh, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., here's what happens. At 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 p.m., the temple is open for worship. Can you all imagine coming to church three times a day? Can you all imagine listening to me three times a day? I mean, my God. Goodness, y'all go out of your mind, right? And, and so, so at 9 a.m., he rolls up to the temple. Now, here's the cool thing about Paul. Paul was one of the highest in the Pharisaical order of the Jews. So he could walk into any temple and say, yo, what's up, I'm Paul. And they would say, yo, what's up, you got the podium, right? And, and he could do that anywhere he went. Now, what most temple and, and most... Uh, Jewish synagogues and temples did not know was that Paul got struck by a bolt of white light on the road to Damascus, came to know Jesus, and, and led a radically different life. So here's the deal. At 9 a.m., he rolls up into the temple, says, yo, I'm Paul, I'd like to teach. They say, yo, okay, you got the podium. And he gets up and teaches, and he says, 
You know, there's some scriptures in the Old Testament, which was their only testament at the time. Let me, let me read some of these to you. And he would read out of, you know, different books and talk, and these would be things where Isaiah's talking about how he was crushed for us and, and how he was pierced for our transgressions. And, and then he would say, you know what? Hey, um, I know who this is. This is Jesus. And he would teach about Jesus to the Jews that are in the Jewish synagogue. If we did that today, we'd get killed, probably. You know, they're they're a Jew. Uh, um, um, oh, whatever they call uh, me- messianic Jews. What's the word I'm looking for? There are messianic Jews who are Jews who have come to know Christ as the fulfillment of what they have said. And this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's stepping up to the mic. He's saying, "Let me tell you about a guy that I met that I know." I have a relationship with, his name is Jesus. And so from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., that's what he's doing. And then from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., I can imagine that he is pretty much, you know, just following up with all these questions that people have. You know, hey, Paul, um, we ain't never heard this, dude. What's going on, man? How how come this hadn't, well, because he came to me personally. Jesus died on the cross. You heard about Jesus, right? Yeah, but we didn't know, you know. And so he's following up with these people. He's probably spending time in discipleship with the ones who have come to know Christ. And he's probably starting to work on planning a church. So then, this is what I imagine, from 10 10 a.m. to to noon, he's doing that. Then noon, he's back in the temple teaching again. Then from 1 to 3, he's doing the same thing. He's following up with people. He's discipling people. He's saying, you know what? We've got to start a church around here, guys. We've got to start a place where people actually worship Jesus. And, and listen, this is, this is, it's not a building, okay? It's, it's not what he's starting here. He's not saying, hey, he's saying, let's get all of us together, and maybe later tonight we'll, we'll meet at my house, and we'll talk more about Jesus. So, so from, from 1 to 3, he's doing that. Then 3 o'clock, back in the temple. He spent all day in church, right? I mean, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've talked to uh, some people in, in our congregation. I'm like, you know, the first church spent every day, you know, after work or wherever, they, whatever they did during the day, they spent every day together worshiping God. Why don't we do that? Oh, I don't know about that. I got to get home, you know, I got a football game, I basketball, you know. I was, you know, our culture is totally different today, and we're like, whoa, 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 God. Wait, God, God, all, every day? Whoa, God, that's a lot. That's a lot of God for me, you know? And so we have to understand what our day should look like. We've got to understand that maybe our day needs to be rearranged. 3 to 4 p.m., he's, like I said, he's back in the temple. And then from 4 p.m. to sunset, you know, he's got some letter writing to do, you know, writing to the church at Ephesus, writing to the church at Philippi. He probably has his second meal right about this time. Spend some time in prayer. And then after sunset, he's asleep. He's out. There's no, there's no Grey's Anatomy to keep him up, you know. There's, there's no football game on, you know. All that stuff was done in the Coliseum during the middle of the day. They don't have the big bright lights, all right. So at sunset, he's out. How many of you go to bed when the sun goes down? Lewis. Because Lewis has to get up at like two, so yeah. I mean, I mean, we live a different lifestyle because we have things that really can distract us and really can get uh, get our attention and get our brain to focus on it. So my challenge to you would be: think about your schedule. Think about your schedule. What is it like? 
Because <clears throat> here's the thing, the second part of, uh, of verse 2. Then you will be able, when, when you are in the process of having your mind renewed, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is point B. When we are in the process of allowing Him to transform our minds, we will under, be able to understand God's plan. But guys, i got to tell you, it is so easy to get distracted. So easy to just look over here and look over there and just spend an hour doing this and not that. Instead of just spending time with God. And so we have to understand that our minds and where we put our eyes and what we let into our minds really does affect the process of it being renewed. Now, um, last week I, I shared with you how um, I, I watched the, the men's figure skating. Um, and and, and um, I feel I need to justify why I was watching men's figure skating with you uh, because it... It's not right, okay? I know it. I feel it in my bones. I just, it just doesn't feel right, you know? I mean, they're, they're wearing sequin, these shirts, and, you know, it's just something's not right about that. And so, so anyway, here's how it started. And this is a perfect example of, of the process that you go through, right? By the way, the, the girls, the girls uh, figure skating, that's just cool, all right? That, that, that girl, Kim Yuna, or, Yuna, you know, the South Korean girl, girl's got hops. I mean, she's more of a ballet dancer on skates than she is uh, a skater. And un- incredible. But the guys, yeah, I, you know, they were incredible too. But here's how it got started for me. My dad and I were watching the Olympics. We love special sporting events like the Olympics, okay? We love all this stuff. And so the only thing on, or they were playing it just constantly rather, uh, was the men's figure skating. So I'm texting my dad, and he's texting me back, and, you know, we're saying things like, I've got to get a sequin shirt like that, you know, really just being sarcastic and mean, all right? And, and so we're going back and forth, you know, you know he's right. Well, how many cans of hairspray do they have in their hair, you know, when they're, when they're twisting like that? Why don't they just fly, you know, fly, you know, all this other stuff. It's funny to us, obviously, and not to you, okay? I can show you the text. You still wouldn't find it funny. But, but we're, we're, we're doing this back and forth, back and forth. Well, eventually, our texts go from making fun of the sequin shirts to, oh, he dropped that. He missed that. That's three points off. Oh, he's doing this. And, and all of a sudden, we realize we're starting to understand male figure skating or men's figure skating, okay? We don't realize it, though, okay? Because we're just rolling, you know, in the text and calling each other and talking to each other. And um, so then, like the next day or two days later, they're back into it, you know? They're doing the long form. There's a short form. It's two and a half minutes long. There's a long form. It's four and a half minutes long. The long form is just ridiculously long. I mean, it just goes on forever. I mean, they're just twirling and flipping and doing stuff. But we are into it by now. I mean, we are just focused on Evan Lysacek and Evgeny Plushenko. By the way, I'm on week two of my Evgeny Plushenko uh, mullet. Anybody else notice? Yeah. He's got the, uh, the business casual going on in the front and uh, the uh, this full party in the back. I'm going for it, guys. I am. 
my boys are already there, and uh, and we're and, and I'm just trying to catch up. So anyway, we're we're full into men's figure skating, and when these guys fall, Dad and I are talking. We're like, man, just pull him. He ain't gonna win a gold. Just get him off the ice. You know, he's just wasting our time. And I mean, we're just going crazy with this stuff. And then I don't know. At some point during the long form, we realize one, we know a whole lot more about men's figure skating than we ever really cared to. Two. Sequin shirts really are kind of sticking with us now, you know. We're getting, we're getting to like them a little bit, you know. And I mean, we were full on to men's figure skating. Evan Lysacek went the American. He beats the Russian, uh, Evgeny Plushenko, you know. And he was just such a sore loser. Came in second. And, and I mean, he was, I mean, he, uh, Evgeny, he did the quad, but he didn't land it right. He landed like sideways, and it looked horrible. And, and Evan, he only did the triple, you know, but he landed it perfectly and, and just did everything right, and, and he got the gold. And we were pumped about Evan Lysacek getting the gold in men's figure skating. You see where my tra- how my, our train of thought so quickly went from making fun of these guys to being full on with these guys and being like, men's figure skating rocks, you know? And then we're like, how do you get into that? Am I too old to get into men's figure skating? And we're like, whoa, Dad, hang on. You're 50-something years old, and I don't think you can fit in one of those spandex suits. You know, so I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. But you see, I mean, you see my train of thought. We were so focused on it. We're watching it all the time that we went from making fun of them and just jovially, jovially, just, you know, nothing, nothing horrible, but we shouldn't have been doing it nonetheless, to we're all in. We want to be male figure skaters. And it's so easy for your train of thought and your mind to get disrenewed and get out of the process of being renewed by God when you're focused on something other than Christ. Now, what we think matters. What we see matters. And it dictates who we are. I could very easily just quit the church and go train to be in the Olympics. I could very easily quit the church and go be a, a figure skater. I don't know how to skate. Never done it before. But if the passion is there and the heart is there, I could be the best figure skater you ever saw. Thank you. So here's the, here's the thing. All we have to do is just renew our minds, okay? Well, let's pray and go home, right? You're like, no, because there's still like half an outline we've got to fill out here, Jason. So here's the next question. How do we allow him, how do we allow God to renew our minds? Because it's one thing to say, okay, I'll just focus on you, but it's another thing to actually know what you're doing, okay? You have to know what you're doing to allow him to, fo- to, to, allow him to renew your mind. First off, you got to play the offense. Let's move to hockey, okay? I don't know a thing about hockey, but I know they got offense and defense, and it changes wherever the puck goes. Offense, first thing, number one, meditation. You need to spend time in meditation. Now, I am not talking about the New Age-type meditation. I am not talking about a meditation that says, you have to empty your mind. By the way, you do know that's impossible, right? There's always something in your mind, right? You can't do it. It's impossible to clear your mind and just be one with the universe. You can't do it. I'm talking about a meditation that involves filling your mind with Christ. 
I'm talking about a meditation that says, everything that I think, I'm going to dwell on Christ. I am going to think about Christ. I am going, by the way, there is no end to the depth of Jesus. When you get something figured out, you can go deeper. When you get something worked out in your mind and you think, oh man, that's been bothering me for years. Now it all makes sense. There's more. There's more about Jesus. There's more about his character. There's more about his love. There's more about anything you want to know about. It goes deeper than anything you can come up with here in this lifetime. Joshua 1.8. Let me, let me read you. I mean, there are hundreds of verses on meditating and dwelling on Christ. Joshua 1.8. They found the book of the law which is, you know, the Old Testament, and part of that was the Ten Commandments, and, and uh, this was the relationship that God said, you do this, and this is going to be the boundaries and the, and the parameters of our relationship. And they, they lost it, they found it again, Joshua, excuse me, no, that's, that's just, uh, Joshua comes up and, they, and, and he reads the book of the law to them. This is after Moses has died. In Joshua 1, 8, he says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouths, meditate on it, day and night. If I meditate on Scripture day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Hey, hey, all right. There's a bonus to this. You meditate on the law, God's going to, going to bless you. Psalm 1, this is one of my favorite psalms, probably yours too. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Basically, he's saying, blessed is the guy who doesn't hang out with thugs, okay? And people who will lead you astray. But his delight, the guy who doesn't do those things, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. You see the theme here. He, verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. See the theme there again. You meditate on Christ. You meditate on his word. You meditate on his law, on scripture, and not the other things that are going on in life. He's going to take care of you. He's going to watch out for you. Now, what's, what's significant about this, it's like he is planted, he's a tree planted by streams of water. He is always being fed. Those roots are always taken in water. And if you spend time in Scripture, and then don't forget about it, you just let it, you let it simmer. You let it cook in your mind. You let it just, just turn over and over, and you dwell on it. God's going to do things in your heart and in your mind that you never thought possible. He's going to answer prayers. It's going to be incredible. Psalm 77, verse 11 through 13. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. This is another thing we should step back and meditate on. What has God done in your life that just blown your mind? Don't forget about those things. You need to write those things down and go back and look at them. You need to meditate on how God has worked in your life. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Not only do you need to work on 
what he's done in your life, but the things that he's done that you weren't even alive for. Parting of the Red Sea, pretty doggone cool, okay? Helping Noah build, to build an ark, you know, giving him all the stuff. It was bigger than this building here by about mm, 10. Pretty doggone cool because he didn't have tools like we do today. You know, no laser finder, no, no stud finder, nothing, you know, nothing like that. I mean, this stuff is incredible stuff. We need to dwell on the fact that God did these things. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O oh God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? That's a good question there, uh, Asaph, <laughs> who wrote that psalm. What God is as great as our God? And then the next thing, point number two, memorization. Memorization. I will be completely and totally honest with you. I have the hardest time with memorization. You can ask some of the guys in my home group. I am trying to lead by memorizing, but at the same time, I struggle. And I will sit there and I'll go, wait, 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 hang on. I, I can get it. I don't know why, but I have a horrible memory when it comes to those things. But I made note cards when I was back in college and in seminary. And I would, I would write a verse. Now listen, here, I would encourage you to do the same. Take a note card, write a verse down. But do not memorize a verse because it's cool to memorize a verse. You need to read the book that it's in. You need to understand the context that it is in. You need to understand what the verse is talking about because a verse can so be taken out of context. So you need to understand, before you memorize that verse, you need to understand the context. And so I've got a stack of note cards. And I got away from memorizing them after I, I got out of seminary. I guess work and whatnot uh, got me. I, I don't know. It's my fault. But... Um, I remember walking down the halls or walking and pacing in my room in college, memorizing these verses. And it would take me literally a week to get one verse. That's how bad my memory is. And I, mean, I would spend time in it. You know, I'd have maybe ten cards and I'd go through it, boom, 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 boom. And I'm reading it and I'm memorizing it and I'm reading it and I'm memorizing it. And I would make sure I got, I got it before I walked away. And I would have ten verses memorized. The next day, couldn't remember. <laughs> I mean, it was just awful. Couldn't. But boy, did I, per I persevered, and I just kept going, boom. All right, same ten verses, boom, boom. And after about a week, I would get it. I would get it. And I'd take ten more, and I'd memorize those, boom. And I'd keep going through the first ten. I want to challenge you guys, man. You need to spend time memorizing Scripture. And I know you're doing it in your home groups. But we need to do it personally. We need to do it personally. Psalm 86.11. It's a psalm by David. And he says, this is one of, my, this is one of the verses that I, that I memorized a long time ago. And I memorized, I think I memorized the NASB version. So if it's different than up there, that's, that's why. And uh, let me see if I can do it. It's, it says, teach me your ways, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Did I come close? Yeah. NIV says, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. And this is what I pray in all of my prayers. Not out of recantation, not out of duty, but because this is what I want and what I have in my heart. God, I want to know your way and not my own. 
Psalm 80, that was Psalm uh, 86, 11. 119, Psalm 119. Verse 11 through 13. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do you hide God's word in your heart? You've got to memorize it. What did they do back then? They didn't have scripture. They didn't have a Bible that they just walked around with. They had to memorize it. And they had whole books memorized. We need to do the same. We need to hide God's word in our heart that, that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. He has memorized it, and he is speaking it. And that's something we need to do on a regular basis. John 14, 26. This is, this is cool. It so applies to us. But John's ta- uh, God's, uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in verse 26, he says this. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Everything that he said, or or a lot of what he said, is in here. And if we memorize this, this is the coolest thing in the world, guys. Y'all look like you're dazed, but listen to me. This is incredible, okay? You You memorize it. You get it in your heart. Here's what happens. When you come upon a situation or you've got a struggle in your life, the Holy Spirit's going to pop that up in your mind. If it's not there, He can't pull it up. You know, it's like he's gotta, He can't remind you of something that you've not read or that you've not memorized. He can't show that to you. You want to change your mind? You want to allow God to renew your mind? You've got to do your part in meditating on His Word, in memorizing His Word. This isn't easy. I know time is all, always against us. But it's a choice that we have to make. Am I going to watch the men's figure skating? Or am I going to spend a little time in Psalms and memorize some scripture and write them down on note cards and spend time memorizing? It's important that we do. Because here's the thing. Defense. Those are the offense. Defense. We need to replace the bad with the holy. We need to replace the bad with the holy. If, if you guys uh, ever could be a fly on the wall at our house, you would think we need to be in a loony bin. I mean, you would, you would think we need to be incarcerated and have help standing by all the time. Here's why. I tend to talk to myself, and it's not like, you know, just here and there, it's a lot. It's all the time. I'm, I'm either rehearsing my message or I'm thinking through a conversation that I already had and how it should have gone. Y'all ever do that? You know, it's like, oh, I should have said this, you know, or whatever, you know. Or, or, or I'm thinking through a conversation that I know I need to have, but I don't want it to come off as, you know, um, um, bad because it may be a, a tough conversation or, or whatever. You know, sometimes I'm just talking to myself. Sometimes I'm just, I'm just speaking out loud what's in my head. I'm a freak show when, when I'm in private, guys. I mean, I am. And, and so, you know, I'm wandering around. Leva walk in, and she, you know, at first, when we first got married, 
she, she go, who are you talking to? And I, Nobody. I was really embarrassed. Now she's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, oh, I'm just rehearsing my mess. Oh, I'm having a conversation with this person. I'm having, and I checked this out, okay? I'm good. I had a, there was a, a counselor, a psychiatrist on staff at one of the churches I used to work at. And, and I said, hey, uh, Barris. Barris was his name. And I called him into my office one time. I said, Barris, come here, man. I said, dude, I'm kind of getting worried because I'm talking to myself all the time. And, uh, and, and this is concerning me. Am I a freak? Do I need to get help? And he's like, he said, no, you're good. Now, when, when they start talking back and they're not really there, that's when you might want to check yourself in. And, and get, are they talking back to you? I said, no, I don't think so. No, they're not. You know, and, and he's like, okay, well, come see me if they do. You know, I was like, whoa, dude, you know. And, and, and so, you know, I'm weird. And then leave my wife. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little something about her. She she walks around the house, <laughs> and it's funny because she'll be walking and she'll go, mm-hmm. not not all at once. Like it's just one time. She'll she'll be walking through the house or up the sidewalk or something. And she just shakes her head. And and you know at first I thought, what is going on with her? We are in some serious trouble here. It's like she didn't tell me about this when we got married. You know what's she doing? And, and finally, one time, after seeing her do it a few times, I said, Lee, what are you, what are you doing? What are you shaking your head about? And she's, she says, you know, I, I don't want to talk about it. You know, and then, you know, I got to coax it out of her. And she's like, I said, what are you doing? Why are you shaking your head? She said, well, I had a bad thought, and, and I'm just trying to get it out of my head. You know, I'm just trying, to, just trying to not think about it. And so what we learned once, once we started talking about it and, and, and about our thought life and, and the process, we realized that we needed to replace the bad with the holy. Because sometimes, you know, when we think or we get into a conversation, we think, oh, I should have said this, and, you know, oh, I should have done this, and, oh, this would have been the perfect comeback for this. And That's not holy. That's revenge. <laughs> that's wrong, Right? And to Leap's credit, one time I asked her, I said, well, you know, what was so bad? And she's like, well, you know, I thought maybe I should just rest and not, not feed the kids, you know, for about 10 minutes. You know, that's her bad thought. My bad thought is, boy, I'm going to kick you in the face, you know, stuff like that. You know, this, this, is, this is my bad thought. None of you guys believe me. Okay. Okay. So, so what we realize is we need to replace the bad with the holy. The bad with the holy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 5 says this. For we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, Scripture, which is, is, is basically the, the main weapon we fight with, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds of the mind, strongholds that sin has taken over in your life, strongholds, whatever they may be, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do you do that? You replace the bad with the holy. You spend so much time in Scripture memorizing and meditating that you don't think about all the other stuff. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. 
This is one of our favorite verses um, when it comes to, to this, this mind control type stuff. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I, I, I got a confession to make when I read this verse a long, long time ago and realized that my mind needed to change and my thought process needed to change. I started thinking about rainbows and butterflies. It was the girliest thing in the world, and I've been breaking that ever since. Now I, now I think about Noah and the animals and the rainbow and the butterflies. You know, I put some context around it a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is better. Uh, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul, or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Guys, let me tell you the same thing. I'm no Paul. I'm not perfect. And Paul, he knew he wasn't perfect. But he said, I'm trying to follow Christ. I'm trying to follow my God and my Savior. And if you see me doing that, then you follow me. Guys, if y'all see us doing that, then follow us. We're following God. If we ever not quit following Christ, you don't follow us. Okay? But if we're following Christ, then may we be an example to you. As a pastor, I know we have to be. But if I'm not looking at Christ and putting Him first, I will never be. Replace the bad, not just with the good, but with the holy. So, how do we renew our minds? We play offense. We meditate. We memorize. We also play defense. We replace the bad with the holy. Now, guys, i got to tell you, you are two people. You are what is seen, and you are what is unseen. But the person that is unseen in you makes the person who is seen. And as much as you try to hide it, you try to get away with, you know, I'm not thinking this way, it will come out. And we will see who you are. You will see who I am. You are two people. The unseen makes that which is seen. But guys, what we think matters. It matters. Because it dictates who we are. are. <laughs> it dictates who we are. It dictates who we are. It does. It makes us who we are. So here's what I want to see in us. This is what I want to see in me. I want to see Christ because I want to see us talking to each other, what does Scripture say, in spiritual songs and in Scripture. I want to see us talking to each other and reciting, hey man, I got this situation. You know what? I I just memorized this verse. Let me share this with you. I want us to share with one another through Scripture so that we can encourage one another and our minds will be completely and totally renewed. Won't that be cool? be awesome. Let me pray for us. Father, you are our God and you are the one who renews our mind. We know that we can't do it on our own. We can only, we can only do our part. 
So God, challenge us to spend time in your word and time, uh, spend time in memorizing it, dwelling on it, thinking about it, Father. Make us completely uncomfortable doing things that are unholy. Father, may we serve you and honor you. May we play defense and replace the thoughts that we have that are not of you with your holiness and your greatness. Father, renew our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name.